How's everybody doing today? Doing great. How are you guys doing? Good. It's bright and early. Yeah, that's the way I like it. You know, I'm normally the guy who's up at around four o'clock. Today, I got up a little earlier than that, three thirty-ish. Um, and that's never going to change. It apparently, you know, <laughs> I like it though many times because you know I can get a, if I have things to do, I can get everything accomplished and be done. I'm full of energy and. Um, that, you know, this and that, but it also makes for a long day. Like if you're waiting for something, you know, like I'm waiting for the Cleveland Browns playing a Pittsburgh Steelers today at noon. So when you're up at three 30, you know, <laughs> I got eight and a half hours before kickoff. That's crazy. But, uh, I had a horrible day yesterday. As you two already know, we were discussing before, um, you know, losing my television, my microwave, and my George Foreman grill all in one day and within, you know, several, just a few hours of each other and the, losing the microwave and the Foreman grill simultaneously. Ugh. Well, you're not supposed to put the grill in the microwave, Tony. Yeah, I tried. You know, I, I learned the hard way. But, yeah, that was just, I, I, I don't know. I love the Foreman grill, but it's top-heavy. You know, the design is poor, you know, and it literally tipped backwards. And because it's so... The lid, I, I can't keep it on a counter. I have to put it on a like a portable uh, rack or whatever you want to call it. And it just tipped over backwards, man. And it was, the food was done. I mean, I was opening up the lid so I couldn't grab it because I would have burned my hands. And that was it. So, uh, uh, yeah, that kind of um, stinks. And then, you know, the microwave just, I wasn't, I guess, paying attention and something caught fire in there. I guess I cooked it too long. But the television I just bought last july so 15 months ago of course it's out of it's out of warranty by three months i talked to sharp yesterday and yeah it's the main uh main video board i'm just not going to deal with it you know i'm just going to be without a television in that room that's just you know things happen but so how, how soon after the tv broke did all the other stuff break Okay, so my mom was watching the TV in the morning. The caretaker came over at 9 and took her to the wherever she had to go to do things. My mom came home, came back around 12, tried to put the TV on at 12.30. She comes into my room saying the batteries are dead for the remote. I said, that's not possible. These are all new batteries. So, you know, I know a little bit about electronics. So I went out there and I saw, oh, this isn't good. So I unplugged it. I did basically everything that ultimately sharp when I contacted them wanted me to do and it was to no avail, but I called sharp anyway. And as I figured, you know, it's pretty much to no avail. Uh, so let's say the TV went out about 1230 and the rest of my world collapsed around four. 
So, um, and my buddy happened to call me at the same time that lives in, in Chicago when he's telling me, come on, let's get in your car. Come on out. I said, are you crazy? The way my day's going today, I'm not leaving this house. You know, I had enough bad luck for one day. But um, I guess, you know, I'm like a lot of athletes. You know, we have our superstitions. You know, baseball players, for one, have, have a lot of superstitions. Um, I mean, I'm not a baseball player per se, you know, but I just have a – I have superstitions and things, and I believe sometimes in bad luck. And I believe that I'm a living testament to bad, to bad luck. Um, so, yeah, when, when those days happen, I just kind of try to let them pass, pass on by. But um, anyway, we're supposed to have a very, a very special guest. We had him before we started this podcast, which was, you know, we had him on a few minutes ago, and there's some technical glitches on his end, so he's trying to go to a different location. So he will be joining us mid-show, uh, and so if if he logs on and there's some technical glitches still or we're trying to get him or Joe's trying to get him on uh, smoothly, just bear with us. Uh, these are all a work in progress. You know, we had our previous guest, we had him on, we had everything set up. Things were going smoothly. He was working from his home on a computer. Whereas our special guest today is using off of his phone, which I guess can be a little, little different. But uh, I did receive an email the other day from someone who is really enjoying our podcasts. Uh, and he's, also working with his young son as well in this and they they enjoy it and um you know we got to you know keep it going try to keep it as interesting as possible without going too off the rails uh so yeah so um yeah tomorrow's another gloomy day for me october 19th is is another one of those days that goes goes in the annals of you know, bad times or bad luck or however you want to do it. Uh, my grandfather that raised me died on October 19th. And then a year to the day, the following October 19th, I was getting dressed and ready to go to the cemetery to pay a visit. And I get a phone call from Pennsylvania that my dad's father died. So one year to the day. So instead of me hitting the cemetery, I had to hop in a car from Cleveland and, you know, drive to Pennsylvania so, uh, but the big month is coming up. December is when, you know, so many people I know passed away um, in the month of September or uh, in the month of December. I'd have to think, but it's probably eight or nine off the top of my head, you know. So, uh, and my dog and my dad both died on the same day in December, but, you know, uh, seven years apart. So, yeah, there's a lot of numerical things, a lot of coincidences here, you know, uh, with me or whatever you want to look at it. Uh, Yeah. But, uh, and I am a firm believer in the number 13 as a jinx. I was was born on the 13th. I've had bad luck my whole life. My ex-wife insisted that we get married on the 13th. I said, nope, it's not going to, it's going to be bad. And it sure was. My dad dies on the 13th. My dog dies on the 13th. You know, um, I'm sure that I could think of somebody else that passed away on the 13th as well that I know. But why did she want to get married on the 13th? Just I, I, you know, 
I don't know. Um, she just felt that that was going to be a, it was a Saturday. So it wasn't like it was during the week. She may have thought that that was going to be a lucky number, but it, it wasn't. And I, and I told her that I said, this is not a good thing. This is not a good omen. Please don't do this, but you know, you can't win sometimes. And yeah, it just wasn't, uh, you know, 13 has never been my lucky. I, that's just a number I try to avoid. You know, I, I do. Um, and and we all have our little things, you know? I mean, I'm sure everyone has a little quirks. Some might find this funny, you know, but yeah, I don't, uh, and I'm not a numerolo- numerological guy. I'm not into, into that. I'm really not into, you know, horoscopes. I mean, I'll read them just for entertainment purposes, but, um, and I'm sure it's just the way it is. It just works out that way that 13 is what it, you know, whatever. But um, yeah, it, there's just, yeah, for me, it's just it's 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 always it's always been it's always been something. And you were saying that you kind of believe in bad luck and, and curses as well, right, Nico? I don't know if I believe in bad luck. I definitely believe in curses. Um, and like I was telling you, I I feel like I was on job sites that were just totally cursed. Like like the one job I was telling you about, we first get started, we use the concrete saw, instantly it breaks. So then we used the breaker on the Bobcat because we didn't have anything to cut because the saw was broke. Instantly, the Bobcat breaks. Then we then we go resort to the, the last resort, which is a sledgehammer, and the sledgehammer handle snaps. Uh, I don't think that's a coincidence. All these things happen like within the, the first hour of the day. <clears throat> I was on another job site, and... Um, there was a series of events that was just going wrong on this job and the foreman, he got reprimanded and he was like really nervous about anything else going wrong. And he had a big talk with us in the morning and he's like, listen guys, we had a a partner saw that was stolen. We had a a Hilti gun that was stolen and some other things that went wrong. He's like, if one more thing happens, I'm getting fired. He's like, nothing can go missing from this job. Not one thing. So we're like, all right. So we had, again, make some concrete cuts before we get started. And this was probably in February. So it was like 15 degrees in the morning. And uh, I get the, finally, I get the concrete saw started because it was super cold. So it wouldn't start up. I get it started. I had to let it run for a while just to heat up. So I just let it idle and left it for like maybe 15, 20 minutes. Just let it idle. And uh, I was doing something. And then I hear this guy on the street. He's, he's, he says, hey, hey, hey. And he's pointing to the saw. And I look at the saw. This I've never seen anything like it. The concrete saw just bursted into flames, like just spontaneous combustion. And, and it just like enveloped and completely consumed it within minutes and I, I went to the fire hydrant to get some water the fire hydrant was disabled and it was the only one on the block so i had nothing to really put out the fire and within i'd say five minutes the thing was like a skeleton and the, <laughs> so my foreman pulls up he was down the block he pulls up with his truck and he sees this thing in flames <laughs> and it's a skeleton and after he just had that talk about, you know, all this stuff going wrong on the job, 
And he just looks up with the sky and raises his hands and he's like, why? He screams, no, this can't be happening. And he throws out his jacket and starts screaming. Oh, man, it was a sight. I wish I could have had that on film. And, and I felt terrible. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, a concrete saw cannot just burst into flames by itself, especially in 15 degree weather. It's like supernatural. Well, and it, your boss, yeah, it, you get frustrated. You know, you get panic stricken because, like you said, he was worried that he was going to get fired, and especially fired for something that's completely out of his control. Um, you know, I would hope he didn't get fired. Did he get fired? Oh, he, he didn't get fired, but um, he was very close to it. Well, I mean, be, before that even happened. Oh. But, but they found that it wasn't his fault with that saw, so they couldn't fire him for that, but. I mean, he was on the edge of getting fired before this happened. Well, you know, it's just tension or a stress, you know, makes everything worse, you know, and that, that's what we talk about street fighting uh, or, you know, even, even competition. Um, I watched something yesterday uh, to, to kind of mellow out. And I watched an old pool match from, I believe it was 2014. It was, or 2015, regardless, it doesn't matter, but uh, could even been a different time, but it was battle of the sexes pretty much. Mike Siegel was one of the all time greats against uh, Lori John Jones, who is, uh, you know, one of the greatest, if you know, women shooters of all time. And it was pretty lopsided, but you know, several, I think at least twice in the, they were interviewing Lori during the, competition during the match and she used the expression i'm tight as a drum i'm tight as a drum she was just so worked up she was so nervous um she couldn't get her groove on okay and that's a classic example of what i talk about when it comes to street fighting self-defense or really anything but our focus is on self-defense you can't be working against yourself you know and you know, that's a classic, uh, you know, the example yesterday when, when I finally get invited to go see a friend, even if it was half-hearted invitation, he probably didn't really mean it. Um, I wasn't about to go because, you know, my, my mind, I needed to, you know, de-stress a little bit. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't have had a good time because, I, 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 you know, you sort with me, I just sometimes need things to pass. So <clears throat> learning to control it, and that's exactly what I did. I had to control the situation. I just walked away. I let the damn, uh, uh, the grill cool off. Then I came back, cleaned it up, picked up the pieces and, you know, switch moods. So <clears throat> the mind controls it all. You know, it's, it's, it's really, you know, it's really a trigger. I'm not sitting here saying that you can cure yourself from ailments. Perhaps maybe you can to a degree, or at least you can control your reactions to it. So, um, and it's also good, isn't it guys? When bad things happen, I mean, isn't it funny? Like when, when something good happens, right? Not, probably 99% of the people you care about and are friendly to you will join along in the celebration. They'll be on your side. They'll be celebrating along with you. 99%, right? But do you ever notice when, when, when things go really bad, um, you don't have 99% of the people who are sympathizing with you or on your side. Normally you, you got a, you get a large percentage of people who are going to try to psychoanalyze that. Right. And maybe in their twisted way, try to make you feel better when in essence, all they're doing really is making matters worse. Uh, 
sometimes it's just best to say, my God, you are having a horrible, you know, whatever happened to you, you know, that is absolutely horrible. You know, I can't believe it. I feel so bad, but boy, you know, you're handling it, you know, probably better than I would as opposed to, well, you know, you know, don't let it get to you or, you know, some, you know, ridiculous statement like that. Um, one thing I learned when I was studying REBT, rational emotive behavioral therapy, is mad, glad, sad, scared. Okay? You could be mad, you could be glad, you could be sad, you could be scared. Those are normal functions. If you don't have those functions, you're dysfunctional. Okay? So it's okay to be mad or sad or glad. You don't want your madness to turn into rage, your sadness to turn into depression, your, your gladness to turn into euphoria and, and your fear to become so compelling that you become phobic. Okay. So you, you want to kind of stay in the middle, you know, and, and try to avoid, you know, the great undulations that may come with your emotions. So uh, having emotions is a normal part of not just human beings. I mean, the animal kingdom has emotions as well. So, you know, uh, these are things to bear in mind. So equating it again to the street fight, if you were to start to get nervous when things are going down, that's fine. You're, you know, but that's where you have to start working on yourself to just say, calm down. Don't let it get to the point where you start to tremble or, you know, you, you cower or whatever, um, or you get so angry that you go into a blind rage and you can't uh, focus, but don't get upset with yourself in the aftermath that you, that you got mad or that you did get a little nervous or, or you know, whatever the label is you want to put on yourself. Um, and th th it's, you know, the model that I learned with the REBT is if you change the way you think you'll change the way you feel and while that's very easy to say, it's obviously very difficult to put into practice. And it's something that you have to actively, continuously work on. And, uh, you know, that's my, my thoughts and, and, and feelings on it, you know. Um, and you are, of course, allowed to mourn. And I don't necessarily just mean over death, but if you lost your job or you're having issues at home um, of whatever sort, you know, you are allowed to quote unquote mourn that, you know, you can get away from it all, escape for a little while, try to get your head, you got to do what you can do to clear your thoughts. Um, as long as whatever it is you're doing isn't going to compound, you know, the problem, which, you know, happens in a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, scenarios. Um, but yeah, it just, you know, today I'm, I'm looking for a, a, a pretty relaxing day, you know, hopefully the Browns will win the Browns against the Steelers are like the bears and the Packers. It's a huge rivalry. I would venture to say it's the biggest rivalry in the AFC, a lot of history to it, two blue collar Rust Belt cities. Um, of course it's changed through the years with Cleveland moving to Baltimore. And of course now the Ravens are actually a rival as well, but they don't, they don't have the history there, you know, um, that the uh, Steelers do. And, uh, 
you know, my dad and I've, you know, he, he's all, well, he's passed away, but he was from Pennsylvania. My one cousin's, you know, uh, one, my one cousin in particular that I'm close to, not only is she in Pennsylvania, she's a rabid um, Steeler fan. Okay. So, you know, I feel sorry for her there, but you know, um, she's been coming out on the, the winning side for the last several centuries, it seems between the Steelers and the Browns. So today's a big game. I'd like to be able to catch the game, watch the game. Um, what are your plans today, Giuseppe? I got a family coming over. So um, my daughter's in the city right now. So once a week she'll come on out with her boyfriend and we'll, we'll hang out and like get some food or watch movies. We've been doing since it's October, we've been doing like some of the classic horror movies. So like uh, last Sunday we did like a double feature of the original Frankenstein and then the hammer Frankenstein from the fifties. And I think we're going to do Dracula. Um, this Sunday. So I always look forward to that. As a kid growing up, I always used to watch monster movies. They always had like Creature Feature or Son of Svangulian, you know, like, so as a kid, I was just kind of uh, always up late playing in front of the television. I always had some kind of either like a war movie or a, a monster movie on in the background. And so it's kind of a lot of nostalgia for me. So like I said, just doing seasonal kind of stuff. Um, I worked out yesterday a little bit, so it might take it a little bit easy today. Um, obviously we'll be working on the, the podcast here some, uh, but yeah, that's it. And then tomorrow I actually start class again. So I'm kind of some, got some dread going on for that. So it's a Monday, Wednesday night kind of a thing. It's work related stuff, but it's going to be busy. So my schedule is going to pick up for the next several weeks. Um, but that's kind of what fall is to me. It's like kind of, you know, summer's over, fun's over. It's time to kind of knuckle back down and take care of business a little bit. So. Well, you mentioned Svengoolie. So that's a Cleveland connection uh Sanguli is a copy or a knockoff of a guy in Cleveland Ernie Anderson um was on a local sh- uh, Cleveland television and he created the ghoul okay Goulardi actually is what he was he was Goulardi and he did the you know cheesy movies and he would do the skits in between and so on and then Goulardi left Cleveland for greener pastures out in California and he eventually became like a voiceover actor and worked for, you know, ABC. And, you know, he used to do the the intro for the love boat. It's the love boat. Well, that was all Ernie Anderson out of Cleveland. And then subsequently Cleveland had a guy who I guess got, got Gallardi's okay. And did a character saint with the monster movies and a B movies called the ghoul. Okay. And as a matter of fact, I think he may have passed away a couple of years ago. And then from there, Svengooley, latched onto that uh kind of thing but um the whole kit and caboodle actually started in in cleveland um cleveland has a very interesting history people look at cleveland now and how it is but cleveland wasn't always like that uh cleveland was you know um very innovative at times uh they had like the the very first morning talk show of any note um, period. Uh, all these shows you see now, uh, Good Morning America and, you know, whatever, The View, whatever they are, um, it all started in Cleveland with a television program called The Morning Exchange. And, uh, you know, it was a sit-down format. They would do a lo- little bit of local topics and they'd have guests on and so on. Um, and Cleveland was also one of the, be, uh, the first uh, towns or cities, I guess, to have like uh, 
know, dedicated children's programming as well. So uh, Cleveland was the largest city between New York and, um, you know, Chicago. And ironically, when the Terminal Tower was built in Cleveland, I believe construction started in 1928 and finished in 1930. It was the second tallest building in the world in 1930. Now, keep that in perspective, and that'll tell you how thriving of a city Cleveland was, that 90 years ago, the second tallest building in the world was built there. And then for years, it was the tallest building in North America outside of New York. It wasn't passed and surpassed, I think, until 64 or 65. So, um, yeah, Cleveland you know, you used to be, a, you know, obviously a, a, a happening town. And, you know, I still love the city, uh, the people of of Cleveland. And, um, you know, I, I always root for better days for the town. So, uh, you know, but Pittsburgh, I'll give it credit. Pittsburgh was another Rust Belt steel city that, you know, got decimated uh, when the steel uh, industry pretty much collapsed, but yet Pittsburgh seemed to reinvent itself quite well. And, uh, you know, Cleveland, it kind of didn't, although Cleveland is a worldwide leader in medical and arts. Uh, they have, you know, what is generally acknowledged as the premier symphony orchestra of the world, Cleveland Symphony Orchestra. And of course, the legendary Cleveland Clinic, which year after year after year is the greatest hospital in America for, for heart, especially, and uh, and is always in the top three to five is greatest hospitals in in the country, even currently. So, uh, so Cleveland has a lot of, um, you know, things going for it. And frankly, the richest man that ever lived, you know, um, was you know John D. Rockefeller, arguably outside of royalty. And, you know, he made his fortune right around Cleveland. They have parks named after him. And, um, you know, he was, uh, you know, everybody should know who John D. Rockefeller was in the late 1800s. So pretty interesting stuff about, about Cleveland. Um, and I'm sure there's, there's plenty more <laughs> info, but I wasn't prepared to talk about. This is just stuff that I remember of Cleveland. Um, but anyway, uh, got into an interesting convert. Well, not so much got into an interesting conversation, but I kind of got reeled in, um, nothing negative, but, you know, talking about, uh, self-defense with someone the other day, ironically, it was a woman who's, um, you know, interested in, in, in that stuff and is trained somewhat in that stuff. And, uh, you know, she was like, mm, everything I've done, she said, has been pretty much role-playing, play-acting. Because she's, you know, from around here, never, you know, witnessed anything dangerous. Um, and she kind of insulates, I guess she's insulated from, things that happen in the city. And even if you watch the news, the local Chicago news, you really don't get a, a handle for it. You, you know, you, you, it's, 
you know, it's not like when it was 9-11 and you see the planes impacting and you see all of this smoke and everything and the fire and it kind of, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. You know, you don't really get that kind of drama on local news. And, and, you know, she asked me directly, you know, how can you, you know, what's the best way to simulate that? I says, well, take the word simulate out of it. You know, if, 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 you know, you're serious about it and you want to really know what it's like, you actually have to put yourself in that position. You, you know, maybe not be the victim, so to speak. I hate that word victim, but you know, you, you've got to be around those environments uh, for, you know, a length of time and, uh, you know, let it really sink in what, what can happen. Um, it's an eye opener, you know, but she was actually trying to pin me down and, you know, and she wanted a definitive, should I go or should, you know, should I do this or not do this? And I'm like, you know, if you have no desire to live in a high crime area, uh, you don't really, I mean, what's the point of putting yourself, if you, if you decide to put yourself in any risk, why? If you're going to, like me, why would I study Greek, Greek, for example, when I have zero plans of ever moving or even visiting Greece, right? I'm just using that as an example. It's not an attack on Greece. I would love to go see the country, but I'm not going to probably do it. Um, so, yeah, if you're not in that culture, you know, it's better safe than sorry, especially nowadays. And you can also get yourself um, in some trouble. You know, like, why are you here? What do you, why did you come here? What are you looking for kind of thing? Um, so like with you now, Nico, you'll, you'll be moving further away from, uh, hotspot. Doesn't mean you're safe, but you'll, you'll, you'll run into a different kind of, you know, let's say violence or, or whatever the, the correct term would be, uh, antagonism. It's always there. It's just sometimes it's buried under different layers and different things trigger it. Yeah, just just a different set of circumstances. Correct. So, you know, um, but it was just interesting that it was charming to talk to someone who, you know, she uh, really has a, I mean, I didn't want to get too deep with her because I really don't know her. So I didn't want to probe as to, you know, is there something that, you know, maybe lurking that may have happened to her in the past I didn't want to go down that road. It's not my business, but you know, I've said many times, not, I don't know if we've said it on this, I'm sure we said it on one of our previous podcasts, but I've said it through the years, you know, to at least research online at this point in time, you know, read uh, medical reports, read police reports, read newspaper accounts, local newspaper accounts of, you know, the violent situation. If, if, if the newspaper account is in depth, uh, talk to local law enforcement, talk to, you know, a trauma nurse or, or, or maybe an, an ER doctor, if, if you can schedule that and, um, you know, learn as much about it as you can. So you can kind of fluff off the, uh, not stereotypes. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, the sensationalism or whatever, just get to the facts. You know, there's a lot of myths out there. Um, and, and it's not devious. I mean, people make myths up about every subject probably known to man. Um, myth, myth, myth. 
And you really need to get, you know, to the root of, okay, what's the actual truth here? And, and again, nobody's probably being deceitful. Sometimes sure they could be, but you know, myths just grow. You know, you may tell a story to someone and they may not remember the exact adjectives that you're using. So they'll use their own, which may be more or less descriptive than yours. And then they tell someone and it gets passed along and so on and so on and so on, you know? So all of a sudden it becomes very murky. Um, so yeah, it just caught me off guard, you know, in a nice pleasant way. I mean, well, I shouldn't even say it was pleasant, but it was, you know, just, it wasn't disruptive to me. It was just, you know, something that I wasn't prepared to have, you know, I wasn't expecting to talk to anybody about, you know, the violent, the violent crime um, situation, you know, with, these residents. Um, I bet, get, to ask you a question, Nico, uh, it seems to me that even though you've been in a mellow area for quite a few years, you still haven't lost your grip on, um, you know, what South side of Chicago, Borough and Cicero area meant growing up because you've talked about it in depth before. So I'm, so you're kind of still holding on to those memories, correct? I am, but it, it's like I asked you, you know, on one of the other podcasts, I just feel like being out in the really nice neighborhood for so long, you really let your guard down. And I felt, I feel like that with myself. Well, I kind of let my guard down. I'm not, I'm not really on edge and kind of, you know, just, uh, I don't know, just, I guess you could say very comfortable. And I think comfort could be a bad thing yeah i get it you know that's why i go to chicago um quite regularly to keep to keep those juices flowing so to speak you know and i don't just drive through you know um i get out i park the car i get out i walk i go to the stores and you know i'm i'm on high alert you know yeah it does me well but i don't know that necessarily that what works for me works for someone else we're all different we're all unique but yeah, I, I have to keep in, in touch with that. Um, but with the way my personal life is currently with, you know, the situation here with, you know, my mom's health situation and everything in chaos, I have a different kind of stress level. You know, I have a different kind of awareness that I didn't have, you know, all my life, you know, growing up, you know, it's a whole different set of uh, uh, challenges, I would, I guess you would say. Um, yeah, I, I do believe that you and I and Joe, you know, are, are the, the way we are and many others out there that watch or listen to these podcasts, you know, we have a uh, responsibility, you know, to, I mean, it's not a game. Okay. Survival, defending your family and loved ones. It's not a game. And it's, it's a commitment on our part. Uh, to be able to keep our skills or at least keep our wits about us and pass down our knowledge to your, you know, if you have a wife, to your children, you know, and I don't necessarily even mean our physical abilities, but our mental abilities, you know, like scenario training and try to sit down and tell them stories that happened to you and how, how you saw the story develop how you saw it play out and what the epilogue was of the story and, and let these people live vicariously through you. 
uh, make an interesting story out of it. So you can impart uh, your experiences to them. Uh, Joe's kids, you know, one took off to California, one to Boston, she's back. One is in Thailand. You know, these are kids that, you know, are, are, are lost. They're gone. They're, they're away from home. Probably no friends until you make friends and so on. And, uh, you know, that's an isolation, you know, they, and they need to be prepared to, you know, deal with scenarios and, you know, give them advice, uh, you know, and to the best that you can, you know, uh, doing nothing is certainly not to me an answer for, for that. But, but again, they have to be willing to learn. Otherwise it's a waste of breath. Right. Absolutely. That's the tricky thing is, 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 um, you know, like I think all three of us grew up in the city, um, in varying, varying degrees, you know, I, I probably had the safest area, but still, uh, you know, the threat of violence was there routinely enough to kind of motivate you because training is hard, you know, especially if you're training right. You know, it's not something that you, you should look forward to necessarily. Um, like I think you've said it before, you should dread your training a little bit. Um, so it's, you know, proper training can be very tough. And, uh, you know, I mean, in some ways, fortunately, like with my kids, you mentioned them. I mean, we've been fortunate enough to really raise them in an environment where I don't think they've ever really been that exposed to it. Now, my like my son loves going into the city, so he's there with his friends kind of routinely. But again, depending which neighborhood you go, could go on, it could be completely safe. I mean, you you kind of go through areas that aren't bad or that are bad, but you can um, you can still be pretty isolated from danger. But it is hard to um, make it real to inspire them to train. You know, I think that's been one of the difficulties of me as a dad is, you know, like I want them to be safe and I want them to do it. And, uh, but you know, uh, it is hard to find that inspiration for them to say, Hey, let's do this really tough training, you know, or this could be like emotionally difficult, but it's important that you do it. You know, it's, it's, it's almost like tougher than getting to get to do homework. Sometimes if you don't, I mean, intellectually, you may understand that you need it, but I think emotionally you need to feel the need to do it too, on some level. Well, you're correct. And, uh, those of us that were raised in the hood, so to speak. Um, we don't have, now I don't want to use the term snobbishness, but we realize that, you know, other people, let's say that didn't live in that area or that kind of environment, they, they'll never get it. Okay. They just, you can't. Okay. It's, it's part of our life. Just like conversely, we'll never really get what it's like to live a lavish lifestyle, you know, growing up or whatever. Um, silver spoon kind of thing. And yeah, it's just something that, you know, I don't, I mean, believe me, I've said it a million times before, if I could have been, you know, raised in, in a very nice suburb, you know, very safe. Yeah, I, w- I would have loved that, you know, um, didn't happen. So there's no point living in the past. However, hey, I'm, I'm a firm believer that I know from all of us that were in that area, those that, that stayed, um, you know, we had a unique take on things that other people from other areas, we would, we could, acknowledge their existence, but we could say, no, man, you don't know. You think you do, you don't. You know, you may have seen something once, you may have seen something twice, but we see things once or twice, sometimes in a day, certainly in a week, and compound that by a month, by years, it starts to become, you know, 
uh, a, a ridiculous amount of times. Um, and it leaves a trauma, but I, I never knew anything else. That's the thing. It wasn't like I moved to that neighborhood when I was like 20. I never, that, I was raised, I was born there. I was, I never knew anything else. So to me, it was normal. And it wasn't until I started to get, um, well, maybe high school. When I started to interact with kids from different, like totally different parts of Cleveland that I realized, wow, you know, there's another world out there besides television. I think we talked about this last week or the week before how I could never um, hook up with the Brady Bunch and shows like that. I could never like, I could never get it. You know, I'm like, wow, that certainly doesn't exist around here. Um, so yeah, it, it's for sure left the mark on me. You know, I regret Joe that you and I never made the trip to Cleveland. We still have time, but it's like, you know, the house that I was raising, is already torn down. They tore it down this year or whatever. So there's things are dying there because the, the neighborhood is historically bad that if you want to make a trip and, and see exactly things as they were in my time we we've we can't play around and wait we got to make that trip before more things are, are gone for good um and lord knows what's gone you know i'm not in cleveland now so i don't there could be other things when i get there i could say hey we, let's go here and then it's gone you know um and that's that's actually even happening here in chicago now you know and has been pre-covid pre-covid places gone torn down you know uh, never, 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 just a bitter memory now, you know, sad. So, um, I'm noticing a lot of that more so than when I was younger, where there was buildings that stood for 70 years, let's say abandoned, maybe, <clears throat> um, but not demolished or torn down. There's remnants of its past. Now it just seems like, you know, I don't know if it's a money thing where people are trying to just tear buildings down for the land and, and rebuild and reconstruct. And, but the landscape is changing. And if it's happening in Cleveland and it's happening in Chicago, it's probably happening everywhere in the listening audience. And, um, you know, that's it's part of our history. And someone that I trained years ago from another country came over and said, you know, he didn't see this as an insult. He just said, you know, America is a disposable country, you know, where we have more relics. We have older buildings and homes where, you know, in general, than than a lot of, a lot of America does. And of course, America's big. And I don't think this person was insinuating every inch of America's brand new, but yeah, I mean, I get, I get his point that, uh, you know, we have a turnover rate over here. That's pretty high. Um, as far as once something is done with its usefulness, let's just discard it. But um, I, I know, again, too, I see it in Chicago. I drive down neighborhoods. I see new construction in neighborhoods. Okay. Na you know, residential neighborhoods, houses torn down and three flats being built. You know, it's all about, you know, profit, you know? So anyway, yeah, I hope we do make it to, you know, to Cleveland, even it's just heard, you know, a long weekend or something like that. Um, just so you could, you know, you know, you like to, you went to Philadelphia and everything. So 
why not go to Cleveland? I mean, I'm your personal tour guide, and you know, I mean, I'll show you all around. And like I say, there's a a lot of interesting history. Maybe not like Philadelphia that goes all the way back to Ben Franklin and all that stuff, but um, you know, there's you know, there's certainly things that you know I can I can show you, but. No, that would be awesome. I, I love exploring new urban environments. I love traveling like that, and especially someone who has a passion for the place. Like when we were in Philly, I should give a plug. This guy, we did a, a walking tour there. Bow, it was Bowtie Tours, right like by Independence Hall. But this guy who did the tour was a middle school teacher, and he had such a passion uh, for American history and for Philadelphia history that he just brought it alive. So having someone who who can go with you and can show you the places and kind of just talk through it is, is really priceless. You know, it's, it's really the difference between just kind of having a whole home experience and having a really, you know, uh, you know, enlivening and enriching experience. So, yeah, I look forward to that. We should do it this spring for sure. I think that that would be a great trip. Um, They have a Roman burger by Mr. Heroes and a slime and corned beef world's best. Uh, And, you know, a chili dog, uh, and you know what, whatever else, if Royal Pizza is still there and the, and, and the Korean family still owns it, which I would highly doubt, uh, we'd get a Royal Pizza too. Um, just yeah, I would you know like to do it, you know, and then I could show you just things, you know, um, like I said, you know, before it's too late, before everything is gone, or before you know whatever, but. Uh, yeah, uh, also the other thing that I always found, you know, I was an explorer by nature, okay, because of the neighborhood. We talked about this, where I could, you know, I would go to the downtown public library. And, you know, it was dangerous as a kid alone on, on public transportation, but, you know, I, you know, nobody gave it two shits to stop me, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, I didn't have the most loving family upbringing. So, you know, I, I would take the bus and sometimes things would be, you know, risky, but Cleveland had, I believe it was the third or the fifth largest library. If it wasn't in the country, it may have been in the world, but it was, it's a huge library. It was, I mean, I still basically live there book after book after book I would check out and I would just stay in there and read um, you know, microfilm or microfiche and, and just, you know, I would escape Cleveland via books and, um, or magazines. And it it was really, I, I lost myself in books. I was a voracious reader as a child, you know, as, and as a young adult, um, somewhere along the way, you know, maybe in my later twenties, when life caught up to me, I probably slowed down on the reading, but, you know, I always had books, you know, I always had something to read, you know, and some of them were technical manuals, you know, electronics. I was reading factual historical things as well, but not mostly that, but now and then my mind would go to, uh, you know, I used to read these Alfred Hitchcock presents the three investigators, um, Jupiter Jones, Pete Crenshaw and Bob Andrews. Um, and there were just three kids, that, you know, took it upon themselves to be private investigators. And it was, they had a series of books like Andy Hardy. I got three or four of them. They're very expensive. They're like collector's books now. I mean, if you wanted to get the whole series, it probably cost you a thousand dollars, but I'm pretty sure I read almost every book unless more came out since I was, you know, 
a teenager, but <clears throat> it, and it, you know, it was crime related. Of course, as I said, there are three investigators. Of course, they weren't investigating violent crimes like my neighborhood, but you know, that was, that always interests me, you know, because of living in crime, if I could learn some tips or tricks and, you know, things like that, you know, uh, and then I remember getting a book on con games and scams, how to protect yourself from, from that stuff, because, you know, there was a lot of that going on, you know, three card money and, you know, friggin' um, pickpockets and, you know, just nonviolent crime, but, you know, crime nonetheless in and around the, the area, pitch penny scams and just scams in general. Um, so it opened up my mind, you know, made me a very critical thinker, maybe to the point of being a cynical thinker. And that's, I witnessed that now in this day and age, especially there's not a lot of critical thinking. Okay. There's just people taking a fantastic story, conspiracy theory or whatever, and just absorbing it without truly analyzing it and running with it. And I don't mean that necessarily even in a political way. I'm just saying in general. Um, and I think people need to stop and, and be critical. And, and even guys who are on the cusp of the quasi criminal element <laughs> that think they know things I was reading recently, like this week, a few days ago, um, they're clueless too. Uh, and, and that was in regards to uh, a famous pool dump, you know, where, you know, they're arguing that the players dump or that they just have bad roles and make bad shots. And then they're trying to justify exactly, you know, wow, there's no way he could have dumped. It would have been a little more obvious, blah, blah, blah. Well, no, uh, you know, a con or like a card sheet, a mechanic or a great pool player will take you and you'll never know it. That's, the thing you'll never have the concrete proof. They're too good. Um, if you ever watched a card manipulator, a card mechanic do his thing, you, you know, even after they tell you what they're going to do, you know, it's, it should be imperceptible to you. Now you add in the fact that under the heat, they're not going to let you know, they're certainly not going to draw your attention to it. It's going to be a bunch of distraction and you're never going to get it. Okay, you'll never catch it. And, you know, I discussed this once years ago on one of my Facebook things when spring was coming or summer was coming. I warned all you guys that wanted to go downtown to all the festivals and this and that, you know, to watch out for certain scams. Watch out for the pickpockets, especially because they'll pick you clean. You will never know you were picked clean. I mean, these guys are absolute professionals at it. So, there are professional street fighters out there. There are people that this is what they like to do. And they will goad you professionally at a, at a high level. They will trick you and ensnare you into a situation where you, you are lured into this street fight and, you know, uh, you never probably saw it coming. And it's far too deep for me to get into because there's so many different kind of examples. But trust me, there are people out there that are, you know, ready to take it to the next level, not just con you, but beat you, beat it out of you, get what they want physically uh, with, with physical harm, 
and they're pros at it, you know. And uh, man, you have to watch out for that. And and now that there's cameras and there's this or that, it 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 isn't, you know, it doesn't sway them to to stop. You know, it it I don't I don't think it's a deterrent in in most instances. Um, maybe it's a pathological thing with them. I don't know, but it's a deep subject, man. But you know, there's, there's a hidden underbelly to the world that a lot of people aren't just not aware of. I think they have a passing idea, but they don't want to accept that it could be out there or they want to run away from it and say, well, I'm in a nice neighborhood. So even if that, all that horrible underbelly does exist, it doesn't exist here. It exists in a land far, far away. Well, I, I, I don't too late for me to try. I can't live like that because I was already exposed to it. So I know it's there. It's, it's not a wives tale. It's not an urban myth with me. We've lived through it. Nico to a degree has lived through it. So we know it's there. It's a matter of, you know, are we going to run into it personally today? It's so, like a, it's like a false sense of security. It It is for many people. It is a false sense of security and only people who have really gotten to know me, I mean, truly, deeply gotten to know me. They change. They, they're like, oh, my goodness. I did not know this stuff kind of existed. I, didn't, I never knew it. You know? And then they're like, I didn't know you went, personally went through it in this and that. But, yeah, it's a, it is a false sense of security. And even once you expose it to them and tell, it, tell, them, tell them it, it's no different than describing the best meal you've ever eaten in your life, you know, you could make them, you know, mouthwater. Okay. You could really get them all keyed up, but yet they still really don't know what it tastes like unless they had it. Same with this stuff. You could, we could tell them until we're blue in the face and they can believe it. They can accept it. They can acknowledge it, but they'll never feel it until it, until it happens, you know, until they see it and are exposed to it. And I believe more than once, unless it's so drastic that once is all it takes. But as I'm getting older now and I'm, I'm seeing a shift in people, uh, I, I'm seeing the violence that people are talking about now as a very detached violence. It's an us against them mentality when really uh, the majority of violence is still us versus us. You know, it's, it's not an us versus them where you can identify generally your enemy or create an enemy. Um, it's thrust on you. And yeah, it's a whole different thing. It, there's a detachment I see, you know, um, and there's so many folks that now, like I said, we talked about once about concealed carrier, open carrier, this or that, I'll shoot somebody, uh, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I don't, I don't know how many people are prepared for that. I don't mean technically they may have the ability to pull the trigger and shoot, but, you know, living with the aftermath of that, of what you did. And, you know, and, you know, I'm sure there's instances, of course, when it's, blatantly justified but in a case of you know was it or wasn't it you've got to live with that not just the criminal court system but you know your own psyche your 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 own conscience 
And, uh, you know, believe me, in all the street scenarios that I've been in, I've never felt good about any of them. Not, not any of them, okay? Uh, I, I just wish they didn't happen. You know, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to come on 20, 30 years, 10 years, five years later and, you know, sit back with pride. No, I, I wish they never happened. Now, th- th- these are memories that, you know, haunt me, okay? And anyone who's been in violent crime situations, especially more than once, um, you don't come out of it unscathed. You know, there's, it's plays a game with you. And, uh, y- you know, I work hard at not letting it consume me, right? Uh, and in many ways, I fail because everyone who knows me, and again, those who really, really know me, one of the first things they always say is, man, you're hyper alert. You know, I'm always looking around where if we go out in public, I'm always making sure I can see everything, right? Uh, that's part of this. You know, I, I can't be oblivious unless there's something really wrong with me that day. I'm not well or something and I'm, I'm really out of it. But generally, I mean, I'm on the ball. And uh, I, I believe more people, you know, need to be like that, but they, they have to be v- vigilant but not a vigilante that you can't rush to judgment. You just have to be aware. And, and you, you, you know, you, you have to see it enough times to know that not every situation you think is maybe potentially bad is going to play out that way. It could just be wrong signals or, you know, things work out. You can't all of a sudden rush to judgment and, um, exacerbate a situation or inflame something or actually create something out of, out of thin air, you know, because of your, you know, misperceptions. Um, and it happens to all of us, even in, in regular, you know, day-to-day life, a girl smiles at you, you think, oh, maybe she likes me. Maybe this has happened to you guys. You know, you start to talk to her and all of a sudden you find out oh, she really has no interest in you. She's just smiling because she's friendly. Right. So uh, in that case, you know, it's, it turns out harmless, but, you know, I, I'm cautious. Let's put it that way. You know, uh, and I, I will be alert, but I, I think I, you know, because of you know me and others that, that have been through this, we, we can get the signals pretty good and we know when, when it's time to, to act on it. Um, but yeah, outside of that guys, you know, I'm, uh, of the, I'm of the thing of let's, you know, let's just try in this day and age. Let's just try to have enjoyment. Let's try to have fun. You know, I think about like my grandparents age, you know, they came from the great depression and then world war two. And, you know, that's all doom and gloom for 20 years. Right. Uh, Of, of just terribleness in this country. And yet they, they managed to thrive, many of them, after World War II. You know, the economy came around. Suburbs were starting to grow. Interstates, they traveled. They did this. They did that. You know, not everyone, but many of them put the past behind them. Um, I mean, sure, there was a lot of them that never trusted banks again. And, you know, and we're very leery of all of that. But they still tried to move forward. Uh, and I knew a lot of World War I people that, you know, they lived through the Depression. They lived through two wars, World War I, World War II. And uh, same thing, you know, they had families. They took vacations. They, they tried to, you know, go on with life. 
in a charming and maybe in at times romantic way. And I think, you know, that's something that, you know, we, we need to try to do right now. And, uh, and I'm, I'm guilty of not doing it enough. So, uh, our guest is running late. So that's why I didn't want to mention any names. Only one person that I know of knows this, of who was supposed outside of you guys, of who was supposed to be here, but, um, we'll Hopefully he'll still be on. Not on. Um, he'll be on just in time to say goodbye. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I may be one of those guys that has to bust, like I told you, bust out of here earlier than normal. But, um, you know, we still got another half hour of the show. Uh, Nico, are you more now a, a Indianapolis Colt fan or do you still pull for the Bears? What do you do? Um, I don't even watch football. Not really a sports fan. Well, Joe, you're a Bears fan or no? Oh, yeah. Bears fan. I grew up with, although I don't watch that frequently anymore, just the kind of the way my TV's set up. Um, you know, I tend to stream stuff more, so I'm not watching, which I regret because I think I'm missing even not just football, but like, you know, basketball and stuff. You know, we've got one of the all-time greats, LeBron James, playing, and I'm not spending a lot of time just trying to watch him play while he's here. You know, um, I just watched, you know, they've got this Michael Jordan um, documentary now that's out. You can watch it on Netflix. Uh, but, you know, I kind of regret not watching more games while I was, you know, when I was a kid when he was active because, you know, those players like that don't come along very often, you know, and it is, you know, seeing it live, you know, you can watch replays and stuff of athletes, but, um, you know, you talk about like kind of uh, appreciating the moment and being there. That's the same thing kind of with the sports is that, you know, it's kind of of a moment, uh, you know, if you're not, you know, if it's your thing, you should make an effort to kind of try and enjoy it while you can, you know, um, these players aren't here forever, you know, look at like Kobe just gone, not granted that he was retired. Right. So, but still, I mean, you don't know what, you know, who's going to be there or still playing or, um, but yeah, to answer your question, definitely a Bears fan. I think just cause I'm kind of like a Chicago fan in general. So, um, you know, I'm just kind of, that's my allegiance. You should be, I mean, you were born and raised in a city, you know, um, I'm, you know, I, I, I don't want to speak for anybody else that, well, it doesn't really matter, but a lot of us were very highly tainted by the bears with that Super Bowl shuffle uh, jazz in 1985. Um, and it just kind of, you know, rubbed us the wrong way into our knowledge. That was the first time any team showed that kind of arrogance to, they weren't even in the Super Bowl yet. And they're making videos about it. And, and, you know, granted they backed it up, they won, but um, you know, yeah, that wasn't, you know, it's kind of difficult. You know, I'll, I'll probably, uh, I'll probably never be a Bears fan unless somehow I end up with a personal connection. I mean, I enjoy football. I mean, I went to the, you know, this Bears game and all that, but, uh, you know, my allegiance will always be to Cleveland across the board, baseball, basketball, football. And that's, you know, um, and there's quite a few Cleveland fans in the city. There's, there's bars in Chicago that are Cleveland bars, you know. Um, there was one on Lincoln Avenue that, I mean, Johnny Lira, Vince, and I went to watch. Uh, I don't remember now if it was the Cavaliers. Yeah, I think it was during the week. So we wouldn't have went there to watch the Indians. It might have been a Cavs game or something like that. And, uh, of course, I was really the only Clevelander in there. A lot of these guys that were in there talking about Cleveland, they never even was, you know, they were like from, 70, 80, 90 miles outside of Cleveland, which is, you know, farmlands and, you know, whatever. 
But, um, and there was another one that was downtown near Viagra Triangle that was a Cleveland Browns bar, strictly Browns. I was only there once because I, I mean, going, me going down to Rush Street and State in that area, um, yeah, it's, 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 not, it's, it's not a cheap day. You got to pay a lot for parking. You know how that goes. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I used to, it was, and it was one other joint that used to have like an NFL ticket and they had like 20 different TVs, something like that a lot. So I would go there on Sundays and ask to put the Browns game on. Um, but for the most part, I've watched, you know, more Bears football in my life than I have the Browns because of living out in Chicago for 30 years, whatever. I've been out here 33 years. You know, um, most places just have one or two TVs and they're glued, um, you know, to the Bears. So, uh, but my loyalties will never be with the Bears. It'll always be with the Browns. I mean, I, I, I wish them the best. You know the the Bears. I don't I don't have a problem with them. Let them let them win. But you know if they're playing Cleveland, of course I'm pulling for the Browns. So, you know the the Super Bowl shuffle thing. Kind of it's a, kind of like a callback to the thing we were talking about at the beginning of this podcast. Um, and I wanted to kind of touch on and kind of back to the superstition thing because obviously the counter argument to that. And I'm not saying I mean I actually have some superstitions myself and spiritual ideas which I think are not to dis to dis religion or, or spirituality. I think there's a connection there between the two, you know, um, but kind of going back to um, the idea of positive or negative thinking. So, um, and, and this the kind of, the, there's a line though, like where, like, let's say, you know, if I, if I, what do you think? I guess my question is if you're focused on like, Oh, I'm having a terrible day. I'm breaking everything that you can almost create a self-fulfilling prophecy. And that can kind of, you know, delve into your training or other things too. So like, you know, the bears with the Super Bowl shuffle, you know, yeah, it was kind of audacious, but at least in their minds, they're like, we're going to win this very early on. Like they've got this positive mental attitude. I mean, granted it was a hokey thing and everything, but um, you know, what are your feeling on how that can affect whether it's athletics or self-defense, you know, as opposed to thinking that it's some external forces is causing it or, or that it's something yourself, like I'm just a loser or I'm, uncoordinated or, or whatever, you know, as opposed to like a superstition, do you get what I'm kind of asking? Yeah, I do. So, well, in, in regards to the Super Bowl shuffle thing, um, it was very unsportsmanlike. It was very arrogant and they're probably lucky that it was over a sporting event because if some other team really wanted to be unsportsmanlike about it, they could have taken out Walter Payton. They could have taken out McMahon or whoever, you know, um, you know, meaning injuring them. Okay. Um, and thankfully the rest of the league, you know, didn't go down that route in our personal life. I don't want to say a self-fulfilling prophecy, but yes, you can beat yourself up. Like I was saying about the street fighting, don't work against yourself. A little humility goes a long way, but you have to have pride in what you're doing. Pride is a very, that's a buzzword. A lot of Christians are like, oh, a prideful person and so on, and they, they tend to not get it. You must have pride in what you're doing no matter what it is. You, have to, you may not have to think you're the greatest, but you are putting your best effort into it. Without pride, we're going to get junk. So there are times when, yes, whatever it is, neurologically that day, let's say, you're, you're, you're nervous, you're shaking or something, and you're dropping things and this and that. 
you know, it could just be one of those things. Just today's not your day. Okay. So um, if that's the case, you just get through it, calm down and, and move on. But you're talking directly about these. I've seen it play out in other people when they were in regards to me and my personal life and Kevin got, you remember, you know, uh, they got killed. He um, would see it and he would try to tell some of these people, you know, um, he would say they can't stand prosperity. That was his famous line. These, you know, such and such can't stand prosperity because when things are going good, they're looking for trouble. They're looking for the bottom to fall out and therefore they will create that. They will make, they won't make it happen either by their insecurity or suspicions or just straight out sabotage. And they'll go through the rest of their life, not realizing they did it because they be, you become in denial. And all of us are probably guilty of that in, in examples, but some people make that a way of life. Um, it's just like, well, this, I'm not worthy of this, you know, I'm not worthy of happiness. I'm not worthy, worthy of riches or I'll never, or I'll this. Yeah. These are like negative mindsets that will not necessarily mystically plant this, make it happen, but it sets up chain reactions that you will sabotage yourself, you know, like whatever it is, let's say you're, you're trying to set a personal record in the bench press. Well, I'll never lift as much as, let's say, I'll, let's say I think I'll never lift as much as Nico. Well, whether that's true or false, if, if I believe in myself that, you know, I'm not going to reach deep down just to see how much I can lift and how close I can get to Nico, then it's going to be very easy for me to be swayed not to go to the gym today or to cut my workout short because of something else. Because remember, I'll never bench as much as Nico. That's your mindset. So in that regard, Joe and Nico, it can be damning to you. It could be completely damaging. And I don't believe that necessarily there's anything mystical or spiritual about it. It's just you now sabotaging um, yourself. Uh, and, and again, every one of us, probably everyone that you know has done this you know, at one time or another, and, and many times you have somebody that will pull you through it and you'll get through it. Um, but, yeah, if, if you just keep on with this negativity, it's, it's, it can be overwhelming. But now let me tell you something. I take positive thinking with a grain of salt, too, because there's a lot of frauds in this positive thinking thing. I'm a realist. I'm a rational thinker. And sometimes it's rational for me to be positive. It's rational for me to be negative because negativity can turn and blossom into a positive thing. You know, if, if your roof's leaking, you know, and you just want to, oh, it's no big deal. Let's be, let's put a positive spin on it. We get to it tomorrow. It could be too late. Okay. You got to look at it rationally. You got to say, oh boy, like yesterday, I had a bad day. There's no reason in spinning it positive. That's a waste of energy. Except for except it for what it is. The TV broke, the, the microwave broke, um, the George Foreman, Foreman grill broke. Those are facts. Now, I'm not sitting here falling to pieces over it. Just was one of those days. But to, you know, some people will try to, oh, well, this is a good thing. Now you could get a better TV. 
No, it was a good TV. It was only a year and a half old. It just broke, okay? It just went out. It is what it is. It's acceptance. So that's my take on it. Positive thinking can be positively bullshit, okay? Uh, you know, you're not going to polish a turd. I'm sorry to be gross, but that's the expression. It's still a turd, um, no matter how, how, how you try to spit shine it. Um, I'd much rather be with someone who's a rational, critical thinker. And all of us who are in the self-defense position, where we are the protectors, um, you know, we have to rationally think. And if, if all of our conclusions are, this is a bad situation, ergo negative, uh, fine. But don't fall to pieces. Do the REBT thing. Mad, glad, you know, uh, sad, scared. You can, you can have those emotions, but don't let them become overwhelming where it cripples you emotionally. So, um, but I do know the spirituality thing, regardless of across the religions, because I think I read there's something like 4,200 different religions or something like that in this world. Um, people will put a spiritual or mystical uh, thing to it. That's their, that's the thing, you know, fine. I'm, again, I, not, not my business. Don't, don't make yours my business. My business, I won't make yours. But however they justify or rationalize it, um, it still all boils down to us making the difference. No matter if you pray and, and feel you're getting something from God, uh, you still have to internalize it, accept it, change it, and put it forward. If you think you're getting it from the universe, you know, the universal laws, again, okay, boom, now it's in you, it's in your mind, wherever, it's now up to you to do it. So regardless of the source of where you get your thoughts or your inspiration or your motivation, it, it boils down to us. I mean, that's just all there is to it. I want to bench more than Nico. I got to get in the gym. You know, I can't read a book. I can't fantasize about Paul Anderson or, you know, uh, Ted Arcidi or somebody like that. I got to get in the gym and I got to lift, you know, and, and then maybe I can bench more than the next guy. That's my answer. So you know, you're, oh, go ahead. Don't. Go on. I, I was just interested to hear your take on uh, dealing with nerves in either a street scenario or like a, you know, sports scenario, if it's the same or a different way of dealing with it. Oh uh, yeah. Well, there's two. Okay. <clears throat> I, I deal with it differently uh, between sport and street, uh, regardless of the sport. Uh, and I'll explain in detail. Um, for me, it's not so much controlling the nerves as it is postponing the nerves, okay? Uh, in a sporting event, unless I'm surrounded by jerk-offs in my, in my life, which I don't like to have horrible people like that, if I lose, like if I'm in a pool tournament or whatever it is I'm doing and I lose, then they're not going to rub it in for the rest of my life, okay? It's just a temporary thing. Um, in a street fight, yeah, I can lose, <clears throat> excuse me, I can lose my life. Uh, in a street fight, it should be quickly. It should be one of these scenarios that's over relatively, you know, quick. Uh, I've, to my knowledge, I've never participated in any sort of competition that was over that quickly. Um, maybe an arm wrestling thing, 
but generally, uh, you know, a pool game or a pool tournament or whatever, a pool league, that, that goes on and on. Um, and that's where the delaying of the nerves comes into play. Make no mistake, when, I guess maybe because of my training and because of my upbringing and because I'm probably I'm best at fighting more than any other skill I have, uh, I, don't, I just act and then I get nervous after it's all over with. Okay, you have your adrenaline dump afterwards. Um, whereas with other events, you know, they, they don't stress me. Like it, nothing's life and death. Like shooting a game of pool for me in a pool league or a tournament is not life or death. So I do get a case of the yips. But I get the case of the yips, and I've said this before. I just said this recently to a, a friend of mine who's a good pool player. You know, the teams that I were I was on, they put they put a lot of, Tony, you got to do it. Tony, 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 put this pressure on me. You know, they make they make it worse than what it is. If it was just me, you know, I don't, I would, I'm fine. And I went to a pool tournament. I didn't tell anybody about it. I just went. Okay. And I ended up winning. I go to others, you know, where everybody's surrounding me. Come on, you can do it. You know, I don't want, I don't like that. Okay. That just, you know, just leave me alone. I don't, I don't need more pressure. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, but it's all up here, Nico. You again, like I said before, and I'll say it again, you've got to detach yourself from it. Did you ever hear of these people who have like out of body experiences? You know, they claim that they could see them. They can look down upon themselves and they know that they were in the operating room or they saw that they were dead and they're floating. This is almost how it has to become. You have to detach yourself mentally from the scenario. Okay. Uh, by you know, like I've said before in a street fight, if you value your life and where you're worried about your wife and your kids and the this and your job and the blah blah blah, you're, you've lost already. You put so much stress on yourself. You Got to take all of that out of the take. Detach yourself from all of that shit. You know, just just focus on the guy or the or the scenario, the guy or guys or whatever it is that you're dealing with. And um, you know, the same thing with pool, with me or whatever it is that I was competing in you know, other sports, you know, it's, it's, I, I just, I never, I can't take it personal, you know? And um, that's why right now I, I won't, there's several reasons why I won't play in a pool league, but mainly, and, and we've always won, but it just was no fun for me anymore. Okay. They, they make the pressure, you know, where there shouldn't be any pressure. Okay. And it, my teammates are the ones who pretty much ruin it for me. Okay, because they're living, this means so much to them to win that I'm sucked now into their drama, so to speak. And um, it, it, it just ruins it for me because, you know, it's just too much pressure for no return. You know, this is just a, this is just a pool game. It's not, it's not life or death, you know. So I tell everyone, just try to detach Get a good support group that you know will be there for you in defeat. Everybody's going to be your friend when you win. Everybody in the world wants to be with you. You need to be around those people that want to be with you when you're not winning, when you're not having a good day, when you're flat broke and you need $100, when you're crying because your dog died or your, your wife or your girlfriend left you or you lost your job. And these people are surrounding themselves to be with you, to pick you up and lift you up. Well, they, now you're a winner. 
Okay. You, you're a winner. And, and that's what you need in your life um, to be with people that will be there for you. And then all of a sudden you'll, you'll see how your nerves are, you know, <clears throat> your, your nerves will start to steady out. But when you feel you're a loser, this is getting back to Joe. Now, when you feel I can't win, I got to live people like me or I'll, I'll feel better about myself. If I win that pool game, Yeah, man, there you go. You're putting so much damn pressure on yourself. You can't focus on the opponent. You're worried about you. And you're worried about how you're going to look when this is all over and done with. Well, I'll tell you, every pool game I've lost, I've lost my head held high. Okay? I, I've, I've never put my tail between my legs. I've lost to guys who and girls who are just terrible, lucky shots. And I've, and I've lost to guys who should be in the Hall of Fame, you know, just phenomenal players. And it, 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 and it doesn't matter. You know, I was there. I stepped up to the plate, win, lose, or draw. Who cares? But if you got to make something of it, you try to rub my nose in it, then no matter how many games you've won, you're the loser. And this is getting back to the Super Bowl Bears thing. You know, don't rub the rest of the NFL. Don't rub their nose in it. You know, just play the game. It's a game. Win. And then celebrate all you want. But win with win and play with dignity. Win and play with honesty. And you cannot lose. You're the winner no matter what. No matter how the outcome is, you're the, you're the friggin' winner. Sorry to go off on that tangent, but I get so pissed when I see this disrespect now, and, you know, in all sports. Um, yeah, and it just beats everybody else down because nobody wants to lose and then get emasculated afterwards. It's bullshit. Well, that's a problem. A lot of people are like, bad. not only are they bad losers, but they can be bad winners, you know. And uh, that's something that definitely has to be, like, I think, taught back in the culture. Uh, you know, I think it has to be, uh, like you said, talked about because it just makes things worse. I was going to kind of on that theme of, um, you know, we previously on previous podcasts, we talked about, oh, like. Um, I'm not advocating 10th place trophies here. I'm advocating <laughs> win with dignity and, and, you know, not necessarily console the loser, but pick the loser up. Say, hey, man. This is what you, let me tell you what you did good, or let me tell you what you need to work on. Uh, and then you can beat me or you can be more competitive. This is, that's what, that's what I'm talking about. You know, um, because I don't care how good you are at something. You're, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to have that attitude with the wrong guy or the wrong person. And it's too late. I'm sorry. Now go ahead. What were you following up on? Joe? Well, kind of, uh, as kind of a training question is, um, you know, like we talk about conditioning, obviously, like cardio and pain training and things like that. Do you think putting yourself into pressure situations that are emotionally uncomfortable, like whether it's, I don't know, giving up, uh, you know, public speaking or um, like you said, competing publicly like you do with pool has benefits to kind of condition your system to that feeling that you might have in a, a self-defense situation or that perform or like competing, like let's say in martial arts, that it's, it's, it's something you should deliberately bring into your, uh, you know, your schedule to keep, uh, you know, keep that experience in your mind. To, so you actually have to address that, I guess, get practice addressing uh, the anxiety that you can get yourself into. I believe to, yes, but with a caveat that you still have things in your life that you can, de-stress. Okay. So what I'm getting at is if you put yourself in such a pressure cooker, like public speaking, if you're not used to it, 
and now you're all worked up after that, you've got to find a way to, you know, to just mellow out from that. Okay. To, you know, de-stress and to, you know, um, you know, to breathe afterwards and decompress. So if you don't have that in your life, then I'm not sure putting yourself in more under more pressure is going to work for you because you don't want to end up with a neurosis here. You don't want to become, you know, a neurotic in a way. And so, yes, it's great if you have the support group, which any psychologist will tell you having support group is tremendous. And that's something that's lacking in my life right now. I don't have the support group. I have, you know, in essence, zero. Um, So it it makes, I'm treading, I got to tread gently. Every time I try to reach out, I absorb somebody else's problems. In essence, I'm putting myself under stress because of them. And I have no way to vent. So yes, on paper, it's good to overcome your fears or, or, or your anxieties, whatever the, the label may be. But I still think you, you have to find a way, uh, no matter what it is. It could be a hobby. It could be <clears throat> painting or, I don't know, gardening or you know, mu- music, whatever. <clears throat> you, you need to find a re- a, 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 you know, an escape to, to calm you down and, and to bring you down. Um, and that's the issue in my personal life right now. I don't, I don't have that being living where I'm living and I'm a social creature and not being able to go out with a group of people who are like, like-minded. Um, and you know, and this and that it's, it's, it's hard. Um, so, but you bring up a very valid point, Joe. Uh, I've known, I don't want to mention anybody's name, but I know, know somebody that I look up to and admire tremendously who had, uh, who had a phobia and, and continue. I mean, the person is older than my mom and never was able to lick it. I even went to hypnosis and everything. And, you know, this person uh, just had such a, such a phobia that it, it stopped him from eternal greatness. Okay. So like, he would enter a contest when he was young and every contestant was like, well, they would all huddle around. Who's going to get, who's going to come in second, you know, because they knew he was a monster. They knew that this guy had a lot. He can't lose Well, he'd lose, you know, he just choked under the pressure. Um, and, and I, you know, to a degree, it you know, continued his whole life. He never found the answer. And, you know, but he tried. He, I know he told me, you know, years and years ago, he went to, you know, to hypnosis to try to help him with it. But I don't know, maybe it controlled it to a degree, but I never, no, I saw how he did his thing in private, which was earth shaking. And I saw how he did his thing in public, which was, oh, He's pretty good. Right? Well, no, he wasn't pretty good. He was the greatest of them all. And he just you know, couldn't overcome it. So I'm just, for me, you know, I'll never be the, a world champion pool player. I, even if I had the desire, it's way past my ability. You know, I, I'm too old for that, but 
I don't have those kind of nerves anymore, right? Like I told you, because I'm under so much tension and stress. And this is what I don't want you guys to go through. I'm under a unique sort of circumstance here. Maybe not unique, but unique to us. I'm under, I'm under strain and stress and I cannot decompress. So I, I think I can answer that your questions, you know, totally, Joe, it, it's so important to find an outlet that you can just, you know, let your hair down and just, you know, breathe again. So I, I highly recommend everybody out there to, to find that. And, and normally that's, for some, maybe it's a competitive thing. Others, it may just be a solo isolated thing. Others, it may be a companionship thing. Maybe getting one with nature, watching the birds or going, you know, whatever. Um, I, uh, I know what I need. I'm just not able to get what I need out here where I live currently. So, I mean, that's that. But looks like our guest is not going to be a guest. Yeah, I heard from him. There's some transportation issues, so he asked if we could reschedule. Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll reschedule for another time down the line. I, I got to see what's up. Um, so, um, but it's good that he got in touch. Um, any quick news, Nico, on your permanent residency thing? You where you're moving? No. Uh, nothing new so far. Yeah, well, I got room. If you need a place, I'm lonely. <laughs> bring the bring the family. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I, you guys are. are I always say this. Uh, how you guys mean a lot to me. You guys are great people. It's, you know, I, I do think that you have a world of potential, Joe. It's or uh, Nico, Joe. You know how how I feel about you. You know, Nico, you have a world of potential. It's just you. Know, the COVID kind of came and knocked everything for a loop. You know, um, but hopefully one day you're, you're not going to live so far away that I don't get to see you again. Um, if so, we got to just, you know, switch tracks and do the Tri-C and get 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 started on this distance training thing and go for it. But, uh, and Joe, um, you're the, you know, you're just a great guy. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're going to spend some time with your family today, man. That's cool. Thank you, man. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to getting back on the program. So it might have to start out, you know, just being online. But yeah, really, well, really send me an email. Get in touch with me. We can talk off 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 air here about what what you you know we can do. But um, yeah, so that's it. I guess I'll see you guys next week. And uh, you know, um, yeah, I just want to thank everybody out there that's listening. I for those that you know, know me, I'm not really doing anything with this podcast as far as the behind the scenes. What you see me do is what you see me do. Then Joe uploads it to YouTube. And all I do is put a link on my business Facebook page. And I upload the audio file to my website, just so like the uh, podcast companies pick it up. I've never listened to it. You know, I, I don't follow the, I don't, you know, I don't follow podcasts. So, um, you know, we're actively trying to get more podcast companies. I don't know what you even call them, uh, podcast companies to carry the podcast. But, you know, I'm, I've never been one that knows how to market in 20 some years. I mean, I've did all my websites for the most part, except for like one. Um, I've done all of that, but I'm not good at the marketing. I know nothing about it. And you, 
you know, nothing, you know, I've, I've never had anybody through the years just say, I'm taking over. Tony, I'll market this stuff for you. Yeah, I wish that could have happened. Well, it, it's not happening with the podcast either. It's just basically us guys. Um, there's one lady behind the scenes, but she's really busy. She's a friend of Joe's. Um, but, you know, it. so I don't know if, if the podcasts are getting out there or if they're floundering. I know some people are listening to it, but probably because they're seeing the link either on our, my Facebook or on um, YouTube. But um, until it starts to pick up and we get, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of followers, you know, um, I don't know how many more big time guests we're going to be able to get at least now, but I sure know a bunch of people that would be interesting to have on, um, you know, maybe once, like I said, once a month or something like that. Um, but yeah, that's about it for me, man. Um, I just want to say thanks again to everybody who's out there watching and watching and or listening and go Cleveland Browns. Go for it. Goodbye, Pittsburgh. We're going to get you today.